calling all consumer goods, business owners, and marketing professionals. Does planning content ahead of time stress you out? Do you want to run Instagram and Facebook ads, but just aren't sure where to start? If your answer is yes and yes, then our mini course was made for you. It's 100% free and packed with essential tactics that you can implement as soon as today. To join in, visit our website at umimarketing.com slash mini course. All right, let's get on with the pod. Welcome to the Umai Social Circle, where we talk consumer goods tips to help business owners and marketers grow. We're Karen and Allison, co-founders of Umai Marketing, and we're being joined by Summer Singletary and Zoe Gardner of Emblossom, a three-day conference for emerging herbal product businesses. Thank you guys so much for joining us today for this episode. Uh, to start, let's give our listeners just a little bit of a background. So Zoe, what does your background look like? Yeah, well, I've been in the herb world for about 20 years now and always guided by my love of the plants. And it's taken me to all kinds of places I wouldn't have expected. Um, So I was in academia for a while and focused on botanical safety and the safety of different herbs. Um, And then went on to run R&D research and development um, at a major herbal product company where Summer and I met. So I'll leave that for her introduction. Part of the safety work was writing the botanical safety handbook. So it's um, it's a book that goes over the safety issues of about 500 different herbs used in herbal medicine. So it's a really thorough resource and it was a great uh, grounding for the technical work going forward. Um, I have my PhD in plant science um, and kind of went on from the work at the company. I'm I'm a corporate dropout like many of us are here, I think, and um, decided to become a consultant. Um, And so I work as a regulatory consultant for herbal product companies and uh, Summer and I and another colleague co-founded in Blossom Herbal Business Conference a couple of years ago. So it's been a wonderful smattering of activities along the way. Yeah, that you are, I mean, an herbal expert, that's for darn sure. So it's great to have you here and helping are brands that, you know, might not know that they're an herbal brand, but just might be. And we can get into that a little bit more later. But Summer, what is your background? Yeah, a a bit of a windy road. I can't say that I imagined that I'd end up in marketing, but here I am and I love it. Um, I started getting into plants um, more deeply in college where I was really into um, developing community gardens with friends. We did one on campus and I was really more focused on, um, you know, creating food equity and, and growing organic gardens and creating more access. And it was through gardening that I actually fell in love with the plants. And around that time was the the last recession. And, you know, I got out of college with an environmental studies degree and a passion for herbalism and there wasn't much going on. So it actually gave me this unique opportunity to dive into what I was most interested in, which was herbalism and gardening at the time. So I came from that angle at first and studied at herb schools, um, a couple across the country. I'm from Florida. So originally there and, um, some in Vermont. And then eventually I, I led to California. And when I finished my schooling at the California school of herbal studies, it was just perfect timing. I had Um, been marketing unknown to me the whole time. I had kept an Instagram and a blog. Um, It was that time when blogs were very popular and um, I was doing marketing. I just didn't know it at the time. And I was just perfect timing. Um, 
uh, one of the bigger tea companies, if not the biggest herbal tea company in the United States where I met Zoe, they needed somebody to develop their Instagram and, and start their blog. And so I ended up working on the marketing team and developed my chops as a marketer. Um, and I absolutely loved it. I realized that when you work for a brand that has a really strong purpose and message, um, uh, it can be quite easy to be a marketer. So that, I think that's probably the goal for most marketers too, is to work for a brand that they're very passionate about. So I was very lucky um, and learned a lot about social media, advertising, compliance, writing creatively within the guidelines, copywriting. Um, so now I have a small boutique communications agency and also co-run the Blossom Herbal Conference with some amazing humans. So um, yeah, herbalist and marketer, strange duo, but I absolutely love it. Um, and it's really fun to be able to work with the plants every day in that way and write about them. Absolutely. Those, um, I love both of y'all's stories and they kind of match Karen and I's as well, where we worked together at, you know, a larger place. And then we went off and came back together <laughs> to create our own thing. Um, but yeah, so we met Summer and Zoe and all the other amazing people that run and Blossom Herbal Conference. Um, and Karen and I were lucky enough to speak at one of the um, one of their last conferences, and it was wonderful. The community is just rock solid, um, really smart people doing really cool things. So, um, would love to hear more about how the conference came to be, how y'all decided that, you know, it was a good fit. There was a white space for it. Yeah. Well, you know, it was 2020 when we started it, which was, as we all know, without saying was a crazy year. And we had already been freelance, both of us for a bit. And we had, we, we do a lot of work together, you know, when folks need both compliance and copywriting, creative marketing work, we're, we're a good team and we love working together. And we found ourselves um, with Jacqueline, Jacqueline Smith, shout out to our, our third um, in Blossom founder. We found ourselves in this space where we were at home, not much to do, lockdowns. And we were just hearing from our clients this huge need. Um, not only was it hard to be in business at that time, but the guidelines were already challenging as emerging brands. So we started um, offering a uh, free monthly webinars um, to folks and from topics, everything from general manufacturing practices to compliance, to social media marketing, to financing and loans. And we just saw that there were like, you know, hundreds of people signing up and, you know, definitely like 30 people showing up live every time. And we thought, you know, this is just our core network. We have, we don't even have an entity yet. It's just kind of us putting the word out there in a grassroots way. And this is really successful. Like, I wonder what this would look like if we made it a bigger, more intentional event. And that's how the event was born. And um, it was funny. We would do, we did a couple press things in the beginning. And I remember this sweet uh, man who was interviewing us. He's like, huh, this is really niche. Well, anyone like, who's going to show up? And we're like, we don't know, but you know, we're just, we're going to see what happens. And, and, uh, actually, you know, um, over 200 people, um, showed up. So there's actually a lot of herbal brands that are craving this information, 
um, that is, 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 uh, accessible and scalable. So it's been really, really fun. Uh, well, that's just so crazy impressive that you guys just like realize that, Hey, there's a need for this because people are showing up and they're consuming our content and they want more. And that is so proven 200 people. That is a incredible success. So congratulations on that. And I mean, we got firsthand experience with that. Like Allison mentioned, we had the opportunity to speak there and your community is strong and they are smart and they ask all the good questions and, um, just very cool. So if anybody is, is interested in that, you guys got to go check it out. We'll keep it in the show notes for sure. Um, but moving into kind of some of the things, some of the challenges that herbal brands might face, you know, we talked to a lot of small emerging consumer packaged goods brands, but those challenges might be a little bit different. So what are those like big hurdles that herbal brands need to overcome, especially in the beginning? Yeah, I think um, from the regulatory point of view, I'm just always going to answer with the regulatory nerd answers here. So from the regulatory point of view, um, it's first understanding what category you're in. I think for food companies, it's really clear they're a food, you know, it's something tasty or nutritious to eat. Um, but with herbs, everything runs a spectrum from um, food to medicine, and there's no clear lines in an herbalist's mind. And whether you eat the herb or whether you put the herb on the skin, it's all herbal medicine, um, you know, from a, somebody who's trained as an herbalist. Um, but FDA doesn't see it that way. No surprise. So, um, so figuring out what category you're in, which will make a, a difference as to what you can say about your product, how you need to manufacture your product, um, and a whole bunch of other things. So figuring out whether your product is a food or beverage. So that would be one category, whether it's a dietary supplement. So that would be in the category of kind of anything that helps uh, gently fix. So it's herbs, vitamins are all in the same category. Um, whether it's a cosmetic, which is something used topically, um, or whether it's a drug. So that's mostly going to be out of, out of the reach in terms of, um, compliance and manufacturing and, and all that, but it is an, it's an FDA category that, uh, they're very clear about drugs, heal things and other products do not. So, so that's the first one is, is getting clear on the regulatory category because that'll, determine what you can or can't say about a product. Um, so that's that's number one. I think one of the other big challenges that herbal brands face is uh, the passion of the founders in a really good way. So most people educated as herbalists or who have had really positive experiences with the herbs and then go on to start an herbal product company are people who, they're people who love to educate about herbs and there's so much that herbs can do. And so it's really hard to know all the things, but only be able to say a small fraction of what each plant can do. Um, so yeah, it, it's just challenging. And I guess hand in hand with that is the fact that the regulations are fairly murky. There's some guidance, but there's not a ton of clear guidance and there's a lot of expectations from FDA. So what is it that you can say about a product that's going to be okay versus one, you know, a statement that might get you a warning letter. And sometimes the difference is really small. As, as one wild example, you know, if you talk about a product that treats constipation, that would be considered a disease. But if you talk about a product that 
uh, treats occasional constipation, then that's that could be a supplement. It's an occasional thing. It happens to all of us, but it's not chronic constipation. So there's really fine lines between some of the things. And there's nowhere on the FDA website that delineates exactly what you can and can't say. So a lot of folks carry anxiety around that because they're aware of the regulations, but um, but haven't gotten good guidance because it's hard to find. Yeah, I, I just have to say, I just love y'all's y'all's uh duo like <laughs> zoe is like regulations fda and summer's like here's how you can massage it and share it with consumers so i would love to hear like speaking of all that um because it is very scary and you're not just you know if you're an herbal brand scared of the fda it's you're also scared of getting your marketing channel shut down therefore not being able to market your business you know it, it just is a trickle down so um, Summer, I would love to hear like how creatively and how through marketing you take everything that um, you know Zoe just talked about and and you know <laughs> get it out there, amplify yeah, it. Totally, yeah. You know, it's it's no easy task, and obviously, as marketers, we know that you know it's going to change with the brand voice and and what the brand is about and their positioning and things too. Um, but I really encourage um, founders or copywriters or marketers, whoever's working on the project to just stay positive. I think the guidelines are in some ways kind of nice because you don't have a totally blank canvas. You have a, you have a prompt at hand, which kind of can make your life a little bit easier sometimes. Also, it's, it's kind of good for the industry not to make wild claims. You know, when we see things like we saw things around COVID-19 that were you know, it harms the whole industry when we oversell and under deliver. Um, and so, you know, in some ways, these guidelines are, you know, I think as an herbalist, they could be a lot better. But in some ways, it really, really protects, you know, us as a whole. Um, so that's the first step is just to try to stay positive. <laughs> and um, then the next step I, I usually um, think about is I, as a copywriter, think about the brand voice and how to make things playful. And also, um, we'll go into a little bit more about this, but within the guidelines, thinking about what is the context that this person is using these plants? Um, how is the design lending itself a little bit more um, to the brand and communicating? As an example, like if you have a um, more, uh, you want to, serve a clinical look, then maybe your packaging has that kind of clinical look and feel. Um, or if you're having an herbal food where it's more of a beverage, where it's a, it's a beneficial tea that somebody needs, needs to drink every day, maybe it's labeled as a tonic and it feels playful, approachable, and tasty. So I think the product itself and the design can lend it to that. And um, also the colors and the illustrations. A lot of times people shout out plants on the front of the packaging or the images. And so, um, yeah, there's actually a lot of ways that you can stay creative within the guidelines. Um, I think just as uh, highly educated plant people, we, we want to share everything and more. So it can feel a bit daunting. Well, it's exciting to hear that even though it kind of is intimidating and can be a little bit, I mean, scary for lack of better words, you can still get super creative with it and still have fun with it as long as you're talking to the right people. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later too. 
Um, but coming back to the regulations, we'd love to learn like a little bit more on the specifics on like the regulatory categories that you were talking about when it comes to like food and bev or cosmetic and just how about you, how you go about just handling that. Yeah, I would say how you go about uh, figuring out which category you're in or deciding which category you want to be in. So, um, yeah, it's tricky. So let's see. The first thing is to know the categories. So as we mentioned, there's food and beverage, um, there's dietary supplement, um, there's cosmetics, and then there's drugs. So we'll leave out drugs for now. Um, But the key thing to remember is that your category is determined by the intended use of the product. So you could have the very same product and you could be a food or you could be a dietary supplement, depending on what you say about the product. Um, So, for example, with peppermint tea, you can have peppermint tea and you can sell that. It can be a tasty minty tea. Um, Everybody loves peppermint. um, And that can be in the food slash beverage category. or you can sell peppermint tea. You can have a claim on that package and say, this is peppermint tea for relief of occasional indigestion, for help with tummy rumbles, for upset stomach. Um, And because you're making a claim around how that tea can benefit a system, that puts you in the dietary supplement category. So again, exact same product, um, but depending on how you're indicating folks, your consumers to use the product, then um, that'll put you in a different regulatory category. So um, that's often a hard one for people to wrap their head around. The ingredients matter, but what matters more is the intended use and the claims for the product. Um, So another one we like to talk about a lot as a great example is um, oats or oatmeal. So there's oats as oatmeal that we eat for breakfast. Um, there is, uh, herbalists like to use oats, the seeds just before they're ripe and those go into tinctures or teas and they help calm the nervous system. So, um, they basically come from the same plant part harvested at slightly different times, but different uses. Um, And then you can have oats ground up um, in moisturizing creams, and it can be a really great moisturizer. Um, Oats is also allowed as an over-the-counter drug ingredient. And so same ingredient, but can be used in very different products. So um, so that's that's getting clear on the categories and figuring out the intended use of your product. Wow. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oats? (laughs) I was just like, oh yeah, we're talking oatmeal here. Yeah. (laughs) Oatmeal. Yep. Yeah. You, I mean, just that alone, just to like, makes me, makes my brain kind of turn on like, okay, what other random ingredients like that are just like so much more robust than just like that one use case that we're so used to. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Which what, what makes it really complicated? Um, Yeah. As you can see, yeah. I was going to say, this is why y'all are important because I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, that's that's tough. Um, did we did we cover all the types of um, regula- regulations or are there anything else that you wanted to cover, Zoe? Yeah, I guess the other piece, so the area that I focus on are, is mostly labeling claims, um, et cetera. Um, the other huge thing, is the manufacturing practices. So, you know, foods have a lot of regulations around, um, you know, food cleanliness and all kinds of um, practices in your manufacturing facility. Um, Cosmetics, a little bit less so, but there's still paperwork requirements and tracking and regulations on the ingredients that go in. 
But when you go to dietary supplements, it gets a lot more complicated. So there's a bunch more testing. There's testing of all the ingredients for identity, um, uh, strength and composition. So making sure that the um, the ingredients are strong enough for their um, intended use and then finished product testing. So again, that same peppermint tea, you're selling it as a food, you have certain uh, manufacturing requirements, but then you sell it as a dietary supplement and all of a sudden your costs go way up um, because you need to do a whole bunch more testing on that, on the ingredients in there. Um, so, so those are the two main sets of regulations that herbal product companies need to be aware of. There's a few more small ones, but those can be for down the line. Yeah. And I just want to jump in and say too, like, I imagine people that are listening right now, if, especially if you're considering starting a business and this is all new, um, you might be feeling really overwhelmed and something that I really like that Zoe says a lot too. And I, I think some of our other colleagues have said before is that compliance is a journey. Um, and it really is because the laws are constantly changing. They're being adapted. They're also just really hard to reach even as multi-million dollar companies. Um, so don't be too hard on yourself and um, do as much as you can now. And it is, you know, usually a journey and a spectrum of compliance, not saying that you should do anything illegal. I think there are some areas you should be more risk adverse than others. But like that example that Zoe said with peppermint, Maybe you don't have the funds right now to start a supplement brand, but you eventually really want to make claims. So maybe you start out in the food category with your peppermint tea. And then eventually when you're moving and shaking, you can go ahead and make it a supplement. Um, so it's not to say that this is completely prescriptive, but it is how the laws are written. Um, so just to add that in there. That's, I mean, language is so important always, um, but even more so here. So it's a really good reminder, but that compliance is a journey. Reminder is just like so good because especially with something that's not black and white, it's just, you got to remember that things change over time and to just like go with the flow a little bit more um, and just like come to it with a little bit more patience. So with that kind of risk and gray area that we talk about, that we've been talking about with herbal CPG, especially in marketing, um, how do you generally approach this through your marketing? Like, is every platform the same or do you have to approach it differently? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, Zoe and I work on this together a lot and what we've kind of, summarized over the years is uh, packaging. It can be really expensive to change, right? So we tend to advise folks to be more by the books when it comes to physical things that are printed um, and packaging. It also can affect your partners, right? Because if you have to change all your packaging or I don't know, somehow they get looped in, it can just not be the best experience. It doesn't happen often, but you don't really want it to happen especially on a bestseller. Um, and uh, so then you go to digital spaces more so, and you think about um, product pages. Uh, if you're having things like advertisements go back to product pages, that's probably another one I would be maybe less um, uh, 
colorful, like with all the descriptions and all the things you want to say as an herbalist, I, I would say you can take more risk there and I'll let Zoe pop it and make sure I'm, I've got this right after I go through it. But I would say, you know, that would be somewhere that, I, you know, maybe less. And then once you get to blog and social media and things like that, we tend to say more. Um, those things can be updated. So if somebody contacts you, you know, you can go ahead and update those pretty immediately. Um, and you're not going to get warning letters from meta or advertising product um, platforms um, as much, you know, you're not going to get dinged. So you're, might, you're not generally advertising to a blog page. You can sometimes. So just think those things through a little bit um, before you 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 go on your claims uh, journey. <laughs> yeah, Zoe, anything to add to that? What do I want to say about that? Uh, yeah, there's right. There's printed materials, and those are tricky. Um, I mean, so there's a, there's a spectrum of risk. What I often see is that small companies push the edge a little bit. If it's if you have a small business, it's a side hustle. You're just selling at the farmer's market. You know, then it's easy to say many things and not be too worried about enforcement. Um, but what I often see is as companies grow bigger and get more responsibilities to employees, investors, um, anybody else along the way, they get more conservative. So, um, yeah, there's that change that happens over time and and with greater responsibility. Um, FDA, I think it's good for folks to keep in mind, does do a lot of their monitoring online. The easiest thing for them to do is to pay people sitting at computers to search key terms that have, that they're on the lookout for. Um, and they will, they'll search websites. Um, they've been doing social media. I just saw a note that, or a, a little piece that said there was just a, a warning letter that went out that in, included a claim made on social media eight years ago. So they're getting their search terms, you know, they're getting their search skills strong and they're going, they back. go back eight years. They went back eight years. I'm not sure how they did, <laughs> but yeah. So it's a little startling. So, so it is, so social media can be a great place to try things out. Um, and then you just want to keep in mind that as time goes by, it may be good to clean up the older stuff, um, especially as FDA or other organizations, um, you know, just have different priorities that they're, they're enforcing around. That is, that's really great advice. I think to go back, um, because like you were saying, I got really excited when you said it's a spectrum, um, you know, when you're first starting out, you know, you can be a little more, I, I don't know, maybe a little bit more aggressive in your claims. Um, but as you have more responsibilities, like you said, most likely more capital, you have more resources, you have more education, you're making less and less of those claims. Um, but <laughs> what you just said is so important. Definitely go back in time um, and clean things up once you start understanding uh, what you can and cannot say. Yeah. Just to add to, there's some big trigger words that too. So, and you'll notice when things ebb and flow, uh, when you, when you follow the regulations more and, um, we'll share some resources at the end, but, um, you'll notice there's some hot phases or trends and then the reg, the regulators will kind of follow those. So like, you know, if you have cures, heals, COVID-19, like things like this, like, it's just gonna really put you at risk. So 
it really is a spectrum, but also knowing like what words are on the side of which things is, you know, making any disease claims, you really want to do things that support body systems, not heals X, Y, Z fixes, cures. So, um, just learning the terms to even search for is probably a good place to start as well. Yeah. The other tricky thing we're seeing is that it's not just FDA anymore, that a lot of different uh, hosting services want to reduce their risk also. So whether it's Shopify, Meta, um, you know, I had a a client who recently got a 24-hour notice from Shopify that they were about to stop her payment processing because they said she was selling pseudo supplements. and she's got a good dietary supplement brand. Um, so we were able to work with them, but it really is these other platforms that are enforcing their interpretation of FDA regulations. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where folks are getting into trouble and um, even more so than with FDA. So, um, and, and, and just such frustrating uh, spots at time, you know, with Meta, it can be just many hours trying to get recourse on why your ads aren't showing or, mm-hmm. or things like that. And so the, the more you stay towards compliance, uh, you know, the less challenge you'll face there, but you'll also be saying less about your products, which is a marketing disadvantage. So there's a balance to be struck there. 100%. And uh, we've dealt with Meta for a decade, maybe, <laughs> maybe close to two at this point. And, um, you know, like one little trigger can shut down your account. And then we're seeing it, like you said, with Shopify, that is your, I mean, that's your livelihood right now. Um, so it, it, it is, it is very scary. Um, and it's, it really is your responsibility. Um, if you're using, you know, these types of ingredients to know these things, um, and to keep on top of it. One thing we say with, uh, social media in general is, when in doubt, uh, exchange words for things like supports or helps. In summer, I'm sure you could speak a lot more on that, but it just kind of helps your brain train to say it supports this instead of, you know, it cures you or anything like that. Totally. Yeah. There's, there's a lot you can say actually, but I think when you first find out the regulations, you're like a deer in headlights. You're like, what? I can't talk about all the wonderful things that herbs do. Like I want to scream it from the rooftops. <laughs> uh, but then you realize there's other channels and people that, you know, people always find their way to the information that they need. We have such great access, you know, your, your product might just be the, you know, the, the amazing first step on their journey or their like, you know, aha moment that leads them down the path to other books and courses. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're, we're talking about how scary it is, but Summer, we love that you're bringing us back, back to earth because it's every, people are doing it every single day and there's things and resources that you can utilize. So let's talk about those resources a little bit. Who should be in your Rolodex when you are wanting to start a herbal brand? Yeah, that's a great question. So we say a lawyer who tells you what you can't do. That's a really great person to have. They're also the first person to call. um, If you get a warning letter, don't reply on your own. That's a big thing we've learned over the years. Like there's a very expected process that goes through and you might save yourself a lot of, you know, worry and back and forth. If you kind of go the way that they're expecting things to flow and, you know, just good to have a lawyer if you do end up getting that call. 
um, a regulatory consultant like Zoe that researches what you can do. Zoe also does a lot of different things like figuring out the right amount and the right dose for certain claims. You know, um, one herb might do, you know, dozens of different things, if not hundreds, you know, but if you're going to make a certain claim, it might need to be at a certain dose to, to, to state that, that it does that. So having a regulatory person that can look at that, look at how, how to put it on the label, how the packaging, how the packaging can look, it's, it's pretty comprehensive. And then a copywriter that makes it all sound more appealing, you know? So um, those are kind of the, the three people we think when you're, when you're doing communications and positioning your botanical brand um, that are really important. And um, kind of like we were talking about before this call too, you might think I'm not an herbalist. I don't have an herbal brand, but if you have some of these active ingredients, um, you do. So just knowing that too, you know, if you're using things like adaptogens and you're using things that are, are more for the supplement category and you're positioning as in, in food, you might actually need to pay more attention than you think. Um, so again, working with the regulatory consultant to figure that out with your positioning would be wise if you're using, um, you know, b- botanicals that have a little more oomph to them. Nice. So we have two of the three here, unfortunately, or fortunately, Allison and I are not lawyers. You're not lawyers. But do you, <laughs> if you guys have any lawyer recommendations, we're happy to put those in the show notes too, just so people can, um, can see, but Zoe, did you want to add something to that? Um, you need a copywriter because there's all the um, boring regulations that I focus on. And then you have to have the person with the um, enthusiasm and the light to make everything sound good in spite of all those guidelines. So uh, that's the other person on the team. Yeah, we got a good balance here, which is yeah. awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, so did you want to talk about like FDA labeling guides, all of that jazz as yeah. well? Okay, yeah, let's hear it. So um, I'm just going to re-ask that. Sure. Uh, Zoe, what other resources do you use personally often to check in with the FDA and all the regulatory people? Yeah, all those <laughs> regulatory pieces. Um, one of the things uh, I find myself using most often um, is FDA's labeling guides. So FDA has labeling guides for foods, dietary supplements, and cosmetics. So for companies that know what category category they're in, and are um, updating their labels or creating their labels for the first time, those guidelines are super helpful. They go into excruciating detail and it's all in there. So all all that information is there. Um, FDA warning letters are horribly dreary to read and one of the most important or most helpful resources. So there's a whole database of warning letters that go out to Uh, all the companies that FDA regulates. And so they will say the claims that they did not like on a product. They'll talk about things that they saw in a manufacturing facility that were not up to their expectations. And so it's a really wonderful way to just get a sense of what they care about and therefore what other um, platforms will care about as well in the future. And um, and that's all, sorry to pause you there. That's all yeah. front, like anyone can access. Those. Anyone can access wow. that. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, There's another consultant, Asa Waldstein, and he has a wonderful uh, newsletter. It's called Warning Letter Wednesday. Uh, He also has it on LinkedIn with some little videos. And so he can save you the work of reading all the warning letters and he brings highlights um, and talks about those. So those are wonderful. Um, 
In addition to his newsletter, the American Herbal Products Association has a weekly newsletter to help keep up on industry trends um, and also uh, has some of the, um, the FDA uh, actions in there. Um, and then as we talked about before, the Emblossom Conference, uh, we hope to keep it an annual event. And it's really one of the best places for small companies to come and get clear on the regulations, on the trends, and hear from a wide variety of people. So we usually have uh, lawyers, copywriters, marketers, finance folks, um, and a bunch of other people to um, help everybody along in their journey. That's awesome. So the Emblossom Conference is once a year, but outside of that, do you guys have other resources for folks? Yeah, we do. We both have our own uh, consulting businesses. And so if you want to work together one-on-one, I do copywriting and communications and Zoe does regulatory work. And so, yeah, we're often a good duo or if you need any of those things, we we both do that. Um, and uh, we are coming up with some very special offerings that are coming soon. Um, so without going into too much details, if you are you know, well on your journey and you need some deeper support, we'll be offering some programs and classes coming up soon in between time um, for people that want to dive deeper between conferences. So um, in blossom.co is where you can sign up for our email list. And I'm sure that'll, we'll have it all in the show notes. So if you want to pop over there and, um, you know, sign up for the email list or just say hi, um, we'd love to meet you. Well, that sounds exciting and mysterious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't, I'm, I'm already on your mailing list, so I can't wait to find out. Um, but you can find summer and we'll put all this in the show notes at www.warmly that's W A R M L Y dot agency. And then you can find Zoe at www.herbnerdresearch, such a great name.com. Um, and all this will be in the show notes for y'all to check out, but thank you, Summer and Zoe. This was so enlightening, so much good information. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Pleasure to be here with you. And, um, just a a word of, let's see, uh, uplift to all the herbal companies out there. You can do it. It's a journey and, um, the support is out there. So I'm just excited about everybody who is, uh, an herbalist and, you know, wants to bring out products to help folks. There's a lot to be done there. Yeah. We need you. So mm-hmm. don't be discouraged. Um, we need y'all leading the industry. That's a big reason why we do what we do. We believe people that believe in the plants and have a relationship with the plants should really be steering the ship in this industry and a huge part of it, if not at the front. So, you know, it's really important that people that care about our ecosystems and our traditions and the plants, um, you know, um, that, that they're a bigger part of this industry. So we're really passionate about that. So don't be discouraged. It's going to be okay. (laughs) That's my big, uh, ending moment. (laughs) Love it. Thanks so much, you guys. Um, we can't wait to share this with our herbalist and botanical brands. I'm sure they are getting a whole lot out of this because we definitely did. Awesome. Thank you for everything you. you all do. Yeah. Thank you both. Ooh, My Social Circle is a CPG agency-driven podcast based out of Austin, Texas. We're excited to share more behind-the-scene insights, chats with industry leaders, and whatever else we learn along the way. 
follow us on Instagram at Umai Marketing or check out our website, umaimarketing.com. Catch you back here soon.